I really did feel like Milan was back. There was a lot of joy, a lot of innovation. People came from hundreds of countries, literally. And um, the events were really expanding. I think there was like something like 946, to be precise, off events this year. That's Lisa White, Director of Interiors and Creative Director at WGSN. And she's discussing this year's Milan Design Week, which returned to its traditional April slot for the first time since 2019. Hello and welcome to the WGSN Create Tomorrow podcast. This is one of my favourite episodes. It's a four-part series, actually, reporting back from Milan, the 10-day festival of creativity and innovation. And it's something that our interiors team visit and forensically scour every year for all the latest trends. So joining me for this four-part series on Milan is Lisa White, our Director of Interiors and our Creative Director. And she's zooming in from Paris. Hi, Lisa. Hello, bonjour. And joining us also is our Head of Interiors, Gemma Roberti. Hi, Gemma. Hello. Together, we'll be discussing just four overarching trends from Milan, touching upon the overall sense of joy and optimism to the continuing focus on outdoor living. We'll also discuss some colour and material highlights. But you'll find a lot more on our subscribers' website in several reports covering everything from Euroluce and the fair to the installations and all the events in town. Our first trend focuses on the infectious sense of joy and optimism that informed this year's event. To kick off, I asked Lisa what struck her most about this year's event. One of the things I found really interesting is that lots of brands beyond design, you know, interior design, if you will, and architecture, they're really choosing to make a statement in Milan. And we saw innovations in fashion, food, tech, automotive, and they're making statements and everybody is interested. One of the things I always look forward to is the Lexus Design Awards because they're really at the forefront of innovation. And one of these young designers um, from Sweden, his name was Pavel Lipins, and he designed this outdoor jacket and backpack that fold out into a tent and into, you know, basically a fog capture system that provides drinking water. So you can just basically take that wherever you want to go. And then there was, you know, that G-Star raw denim that we can talk about later. Um, we were talking about recycled denim. So there was just so much to talk about. Yeah, in fact, actually, Lisa, we captured quite a lot of the Lexus design system for our Sustainability Live, which a lot of clients can look out for coming in September. We looked at a lot about that. Gemma, what about you? What was your impression this year? I loved it. It was really brimming with people and events. Something that we noted was quite interesting, actually, was a less clear division, if you want, between Salone and the city. Traditionally, it used to be quite compartmentalized. When talking to clients, we used to explain that in the city, you find everything that is more focused on experimentation and emerging conversations, while at the fairground, you would go to confirm trends and ongoing conversations. You would really find the commercially viable product to take the pulse of the market. But there's been a lot more blur of the exhibition spaces. There was a lot more blur of design directions as well. Hence us also our decision to pull our main trends from both, from the city and from Salone, because many recurred across from both. A number of brands either chose to exhibit both in their showroom downtown and at the fairground, or actually pulled away from showing at the fair and invested into city spaces, which was quite interesting, quite refreshing to see as well. So we look forward to see also with the, the longevity of these changes of these investments. I think also they sort of reorganized the fair a little bit as well. So it's a little bit easier to kind of get around it because it's overwhelming the magnitude of it. So that obviously helped a little bit as well. 
I think this sort of sense of optimism and joy, as you both know, this is the event of the year for the whole industry. Like everyone goes, you you get as much from talking to fellow designers and buyers and brands as you do from what you're seeing. So I think it really felt good to be back in the mix. And, and obviously the weather was gorgeous, uh, mainly. So what for you, if we talk about sense of optimism and joy and that coming back together in a meaningful way. What was the kind of most uplifting aspect for you, Lisa? There were so many of them. But, you know, I just remember one thing that really surprised me and gave me that sort of awestruck moment, which we're all looking for. It's really kind of a combination of design innovation and storytelling and an immersive event. And it was uh, the Bucciolati showroom. And of course, you know, they've been around for 250 years of, you know, silversmithing knowledge. And they combined their work with the Murano glassmakers this year as well, too. So you could think that everything that's been, has been said and done about silversmithing and glass, but they came up with really interesting designs. They created basically future heirlooms. But what was really cool about the event is that they planted them in these um, piles of earth and carnivorous plants. So you had this amazing sort of um, installation of, you know, the different pots and, you know, jars and all that sort of thing in glass and silver that were, you know, in these, in this plant situation. And then they went so far as to add an entire red rooftop designed by, by Michele de Lucchi that made this otherwise austere building bloom from afar. And that was just very much a wow, awesome sort of discovery. Yeah, I think it was it was so beautifully landscaped, wasn't it? I think Lily Kwong did the um, garden and all the moss and just all these lovely plants. And you had this sense of discovery, finding the little gems that were the Bucciolati and the Murano glass. It was it was very beautiful. And it was in our one of our colours, I think, Lisa, that red. It was a, a WGSN colour, right? Radiant red, yes. Speaking of similar joy in the outdoors, I stumbled across a very joyous exhibition at Cinque Via, which was from the self-taught German designer, Marcus Benesch, who created this Alpine-inspired display, which was sort of color, full of colour and expression. I think it was called Alpine Rising. And I think that probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for us experiencing COVID and lockdown. And he sort of displayed all these pieces that were a mix of lovely handcrafted wood with resin and colour and these expressive ceramics. But we caught up with him in person. So let's have a little listen to him talk about this installation. So the uh, installation is called Alpine Rising and the theme is actually about mountain or alpine living. Because we think that um, being in the mountains is a great way to disconnect from the daily crazy life and to reconnect with yourself. And the exhibition is um, based also on a, a fairy tale from Switzerland which says that the, the mountain farmers doing the cheese in the high mountains that they build a straw doll for their own entertainment. And in autumn, of course, these farmers go down in the valley. And we were thinking, what is this straw doll doing all alone for maybe four or five months in the mountains in wintertime? So that was the starting point of this show. And so we see a lot of alpine traditional furniture like chairs, the corner bench with the table, a low hanging lamp. And we were thinking that this doll has a lot of hobbies, a lot of talents. So she's carving spoons, she's doing pottery, 
She is playing cards, she's inviting friends, and she's going uh, on ski trips. So she also did her own skis. And she used um, what she finds out there. So it's wood and the resin from the trees, which she colors with plants and herbs. Oh, are they pl are they and are they plant-based, the dyes or not? A, a few are, yeah. oh, yes. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Um, it seems very fitting that it's uh, very analog after kind of coming out of COVID. Do you, do you feel like that was what sort of prompted it or ignited Ye this and, and the outdoor life? Yes, I think uh, we all experienced uh, during COVID isolation and I think we, we experienced bad things, but also some positive aspects. And that's what we want to promote, to have a, a more analog life, to have a more uh, direct relationship with people, not wire uh, social media. So in a way, yeah, it's maybe a, a step back, but also maybe two steps in the right direction. So to have maybe less quantity, but more quality mm. in terms of social interactions and maybe how to spend your time because all the objects you see here it's not done in a day so this is like also an act of doing of and it needs time but this is i think the beauty of it um, to do something with your hands to do crafts to maybe follow a dream you had or just um, do your thing so it's um, uh, i th would say a big promotion of analog life. And I know that you're interested in sustainability um, as well and things sort of you try and work as much as possible. Yes, we, we are very careful in sourcing our materials so we work exclusively with um, maybe craftsmen in a 50 or 100 kilometer range and I learned a, um, a sentence with uh, what Alessandro Mendini once said that the bellezza or the beauty of an object is probably the most sustainable way of realizing um, products because if there's always somebody who appreciates um, the piece, it will never go to waste. That was Marcus Banesh discussing his uplifting Alpine Rising installation. I asked Gemma what her most joyous highlight from Milan was this year. Something that actually was really appreciated is that even when installations and product launches were designed to create this digitally inspired metaverse look and feel, they actually use very hands-on techniques. For instance, we saw these amazing onyx slabs at Budrin that were back-painted actually to create these cloud-like rainbow movements and ombre effects that added this incredible surreal quality to the material. The founder of Budrin was actually saying they did it on purpose to to achieve the effect of an artificial onyx that doesn't exist in nature via by using this hands-on intervention. Or the incredible craftsmanship of Sarah Richard, the stained wood beaded curtain. We saw a lot of mirror and mirror effects, decals, hand pouring, and some things that actually could be tech-empowered were actually the result of incredible studies on the material, on the craftsmanship, on the technique. And this is a conversation that we know is not new, is continuing. It really remains very relevant, very fresh, especially in these futuristic, very contemporary CMF implementations. It was a very, very interesting approach that we noticed.
I know that we also visited that on the site where we looked at Audrey Large's work at Nilufar, which you um, say, Lisa, we tracked her for a while and she'd done these huge installations that you can see on our Milan videos. They're also on our Instagram, actually. But speaking of this kind of digital handcrafted mix, one of the things that I found quite interesting was uh, sort of mixed all of these things, including Joy, was uh, Tilly Talbot, which was being billed as the world's first AI designer. And her creator, Amanda Talbot of Australian multidisciplinary firm Studio Snoop, sort of had created her and created this installation. It was very interesting because it kind of blended AI design and a lot of fears that we have about AI, which is where it came from. The place of fear is why she did it. And she blended that with co-creation and sustainability, but also joy and playfulness so let's have a listen to what she has to say so i started at a point of fear about the future of artificial intelligence and transhuman living and i actually hated what our future could potentially be becoming and so i guess this is my little bit of my uh, activism inside of me and it's like well probably now is our time to actually as a design community to put in and uh, change the narrative of what we want for our future and uh, artificial intelligence is here and it's like so it's here to learn so why don't we teach it all the values and principles that are important to us and for me in my studio that's things like um, connection to nature to place to people to um, materiality uh, yeah So tell me, we're in this space, there's a screen with Tilly talking, can you talk me through, there's also a lovely pile of earth, I've seen quite a lot this year at um, Salona, various stands, Um, what's the idea, because there's some pieces on the wall which are really beautiful, like timber designs. What do people come in and do? So um, each so each of our designs, we've got five designs here, and there's a really strong element of craft as well, which is actually a very another important part. So what you do is that um, the soil's here to represent this chair, a stool, the gus, is made out of mycelium, and so it's just representing the um, the mushrooms are out of season in Italy, so they're <laughs> they're in the soil ready to pop out in September, and um, so yeah. So then then the idea is is then that you will go to speak to Tilly directly on our interfaces in front of each product, and then you can give feedback to um, Tilly and actually say things that you think could be improving of that design um, or you can uh, suggest things like maybe have you thought of colour on the gas or something like that and so every day we're taking back that feedback and then overnight it gets updated with Tilly and my studio in Sydney and we bring in the new design so now there's like the new iterations of designs and then people then also then I would say actually which has been happening today actually I prefer design from day one but maybe have you thought of this so that's kind of what's happening and so the plan is so instead of just like bringing in product straight into the fair we've got a chance to actually create product and getting proper feedback from like literally the best design community in the world all in one place so we're getting this feedback and then by the end of the show we'll start to put it in production and at London Design Festival we'll actually have the real pieces there oh that's brilliant yeah that was going to be the continuation so how um I'm interested to see how things have developed with a couple of these pieces if we go over Lacey Grace is I think one of the best 
Daisy Grace is like an amazing table with kind of uh, very organic supports that look like they've kind of sprung out of the ground. Yes, made out of hempcrete and, and lime. Great. And what, um, I'm just looking at what, what changes. Nobody's yes. changed the colour, right, of the no. actual table. Right. They've changed things on it. Yeah, so the the so there's like so lazy grace is the take on the lazy Susan. Yeah. So um so the feedback was the turntable on the top of the table, um top <laughs> was too perfect, and so there were suggestions like have you thought about making it more irregular or could you like put a bowl or something on it? So we've ended up with this huge kind of like terracotta, like bowl. Um, plate and that was that still the idea concept is that it would still spin around mm -hmm. but there's obviously flaws in that <laughs> yeah so it's like um it's like one big salad or part one big bowl of pasta and maybe that doesn't need to turn around so anyway so that feedback will come back through tonight and maybe today i don't know maybe people have talked about color so there might be iterations of color mm. and the materials might change as well like how much information did you have to feed in to so create her? I did it like a document of a brief to, that I gave to my team and Tilly at the same time. And so then like my team then like for a few days like brainstormed like what the, what, but I didn't say product, I didn't say it should be a stool or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I was focusing completely on values and principles and, mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, so things like play, joy, hope, mm. nature, biolithic design, um, storytelling story and hidden stories. Um, so then, then after that happened, then the team went in with ideas and they then worked out that they wanted like um, something like unfiltered, like something that could actually filter water. Hot rocks are really, this is my favorite. It's so chunky. It's just like it looks just like a solid piece of rock. You can see uh, wood. You can see all the uh, rings of the tree and and the cracks of the wood and everything. Tell me, it's beautiful. It's so, really hefty. Yeah. So this is my take of the new radiator. So you actually will open a compartment in it and it work a bit like a sauna. So you will have a sauna mechanism inside, and so you pour water. And you can put like eucalyptus oil, it's made out of cedar, and then you close it and it will heat up the timber. And I really like the idea that you actually have this ritual of thinking about where your heat's coming from and just turning on a switch. And um, yeah, I think it'll be really And what yeah. kind of people have been coming to like? Um, there's been so many different people. There's been like journalists who've come to try to literally catch up Tilly. We've had Tom Dixon came in like with a bit of attitude, like come on Tilly, like like you're scraping everything off the internet, what's original? And her answers, he was like, all right, I'm impressed. Like he walked away convinced. And um, we've had students. So um, we've had uh, big groups of students coming through with their like, the professors and stuff from universities. And that's actually been one of my joys like that we've had um, some old ladies coming off the street who've been engaging we've had um, just all general like uh, big architects coming through and interior designers so yeah it's been a real mix oh, brilliant and we'll see the results in London at London Design Festival yeah so that was Amanda Talbot from Australian multidisciplinary firm Studio Snoop talking about Tilly Talbot her first AI designer Lisa what were your thoughts about this uh, whole installation well, I really like the fact that she's designed Tilly with a sense of collaboration and co-creation and really clear sustainability values. 
But we need to be aware that all, not all developers of AI design will be as conscientious. So there's a lot of joyfulness in the co-creation of products with AI in Milan, like those more interior sense. But the rollout can be difficult. And though I am always an inveterate optimist, I feel we need to be extremely careful on how we integrate AI into the design process. But that's a subject for an entirely different podcast. Good idea, Lisa. So what about you, Gemma? You sort of saw some other things that blended AI with design. Yeah. And I mean, some designs also challenge the gap that still exists between an AI-informed product and what it actually takes to produce it in real life. We saw a vase, for instance, by a young Korean designer, part of the Isola more directional exhibition on craft. Uh, her name is Heun Kim, and she explores that relationship between AI and physical design with the 3D printed clay vase that is the result of digitally designing with AI, but it had to be quite a lot modified, adapted in order to translate it to a real, to a practical and usable item. So we still need to think about if we want to produce something, it may look good on screen, but we need to then intervene on it and think about the manufacturing processes, how to optimize it, how to optimize the material used to make it into something that can work. Because it's, you know, it's not all about the aesthetics. It needs to also serve a purpose. Great. I think this is something that we're just going to see grow and grow every year, right? This kind of inter intersection between AI and craftsmanship and the real. It's exciting to see how it evolves. Every month. Every month. <laughs> That's it for part one in our four-parter, Reporting Back from Milan. In our next episode, we'll be going outside with a look at outdoor lifestyles and the many innovations that were on show this year. So tune in for more reports from WGSN on Milan Design Week.